Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am so delighted you're here with us today. Today we have a very special guest. We have with us today Miss Zofia Renea uh, Morales, and she is an award-winning global strategist and former biophysics scientist. She had it all. She was high-powered, had a high-paying career, a loving husband, gorgeous properties, adventure, good friends, you name it, she had it. She was living her dream until this fast-paced life of hers screeched to a halt and crumbled beneath her feet. She was brought to the edge of death by an undiagnosed chronic Lyme disease, which also left her bankrupt in every area of her life brought to her knees by this terrible disease and desperate for a miracle, Sophia cried her most heartfelt prayer, begging for divine wisdom to change the trajectory of her health and to collapse the collapse of her life. She was desperately seeking an answer. This single prayer triggered an unanticipated Kundalini awakening and a spiritual activation which unlocked her profound gifts as an intuitive healer and a practical mystic, and it completely changed her life. And today she is going to talk about her story and how this amazing near-death experience really helped shift her life and how she is now helping shift others' life. She is also the host of a weekly podcast called The Sovereign Self on Voice America. And so I cannot wait to talk to her today and hear her story and all of the amazing things that she's doing now. So I want to welcome you to the show, Sophia Renea. Ah, Melissa, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you're here because we have a lot of commonalities and that we're really into healing and our intuitive gifts. And I know a lot of our audience members are as well. So I cannot wait to hear your story. I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself and this journey that led you to where you are today. Yeah, my reverse Job is kind of what I call it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, I've I'm, I think, pretty typical of people who are raised in the U.S. You know, I, I grew up with parents who believed in hard work and logic and, you know, you, you go through these steps and this is what you get out the end. And someday, if you pick the right career and the right spouse, you'll, you know, have the house and the 2.5 kids and the car and all of that stuff. And you'll be happy at that point, right? Happiness was always this goal out there on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should say it's a misguided uh, theory that everyone sort of, at least in the US, tends to live their life by. It's like the, your happiness is out there on the horizon and you need to go pursue the heck out of it. And that's not the way happiness really works. Happiness is not out there. That's one of the things that I learned through my journey. It's not out there. Happiness is an inside job and it's something you do along the way. And if you're not happy along the way, you need to look inside and see why not. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people, and that's where we get stuck in life is the searching for the happiness outside of ourselves. And we think, yes, if I have this job, I'll be happy. If I have this money, I'll be happy. If I have this relationship, I'll be happy. Right. It's all about these external circumstances. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But wherever you are, you're there. And so if you weren't happy before you arrived, 
being there may bring you a little bit of a temporary lift of like, oh, all right, I made my goal. But then that's it. That kind of fades. And then you're back to, well, wherever you are, there you are. And you have not succeeded in running away from yourself. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good point. I love that. Yeah. So I, I went through this reverse Job and it was like this slow moving thing until it wasn't slow moving anymore. You know, I, I mentioned I was raised pretty typically. And so I was pursuing the career and the, the outward trappings of success. Um, you know, and I had some false starts with it. I have a husband who was emotionally abusive and manipulative and super duper controlling. And I think I chose to have him like on a a super conscious level. I chose him because I needed to learn about my value as a person and to learn some assertiveness and that really the only person here who's going to look out for you or save you is actually yourself. I have never heard that term before, but I love that. A husband. A husband, yes. I had one of those as well who taught me three (laughs) kinds of values that I needed to stand up for myself and I needed to set healthy boundaries for myself. So yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. And so he was a a serious learning moment. Um, And I I paid a high price for a lot of those lessons, but I don't know that I would, if I were to go back and like have a do over, I don't know that I would necessarily bypass on him. I I probably would have tried to learn the lessons faster and cut him loose faster. Um, But I, I don't think I'd have, I'd have avoided that because I did learn so much from it. Yeah. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And I do feel the same way too. In the past, I would say like, why did I have to go through this? And I wish I didn't have to go through this. But now as I get older and I am learning more lessons, I realize you had to go through it. And to be grateful for the lessons, no matter how difficult or how painful they were, because it is what shapes us and it is what helps us learn and grow, even though it's tremendously difficult. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think the, what I want to say, the weight of your lessons is kind of proportionate to how freaking stubborn and fixed in your line (laughs) of thought you are. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I, I was raised by a German and a Norwegian, so I've got this double dose of like stubborn and stoic. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've met the spiritual two by four up the head several times over the course of my journey. And the most major one was around this moving into my awakening because, you know, you'll be invited subtly initially to kind of pursue things. And I continued to like turn those invitations down. And so I share a large amount of responsibility for what I ended up going through in my reverse Job. (laughs) Um, If you remember the story from Job, he was the one that God and the devil had this this deal and, and the devil's position was, well, if he loses all of his stuff, if he loses his health, if he loses all the people in his life, he's going to, you know, get rid of his faith and, 
and go down that road. And I call mine a reverse job because I had no faith. I was very rational minded at that point in my life. I did believe that God existed, but it wasn't like a relationship in any sort of way. I didn't expect him to take any interest in my affairs uh, and that it was pretty much on me, whatever I wanted to have, I was going to have to go get that thing. And very scientific background, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to see it to believe it and to know it. And it has to be replicatable and you've got to be able to measure that shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so I lived my life that way a long time. And it, there's nothing wrong with doing that until there's something wrong with doing that. And I, it outlived its usefulness as like the only tool in my toolbox. At this point in my life, I say I walk in both worlds because I do. I I still have, you know, that very business minded managerial, you know, 15 point plan and Gantt chart kind of aspect of myself. Uh, But I also have the more intuitive side that can take a step back and look holistically at like, does it even make sense to be executing this plan? What's the point at which we throw throw that out and we go with something that, that just seems right in the moment? And so it's been an interesting transition, uh, but I did not go peacefully. And so there were a series of events that led up to this, what do I want to say, moment of change. And they unfolded over a number of years. I was getting increasingly sick and having trouble with a lot of different things. I had a lot of like aches and pains that I shouldn't have had as a 40 year old. Um, I was sick all the time. I was having trouble remembering things already. It's almost like I was coming down with like super early dementia. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my mom about some doctor visit I'd been on. And she says, you know, you've got more troubles than I have. And at this point, my mom is like 72 yeah okay all right um you have a fair point there and i probably really do need to to dig deeper and and harder on this thing and i think a large part of my journey was learning to advocate for myself with the people with the white coats (laughs) and and i don't think i'm alone in that um because we've been trained yeah, you're going to go to the doctor, they're going to give you a pill or a program or a surgery, and you're going to be better and health is in their office. And, you know, you just kind of take the the instructions, you don't push back and, and you go from there and you'll be better. But on my health journey, it wasn't working for me, the traditional stuff they're recommending it, it just wasn't right. I was getting atypical diagnoses and when they put atypical in front of your diagnosis it means we think we're close but it's not really this yeah (laughs) and so i'd been checked for all kinds of things for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and all kinds of crap and none of it was really fit and so i was continuing to seek a diagnosis in the meantime my cholesterol is all out of whack my blood sugars are all over the place there's all kinds of weirdness going on in my health this continually catching things i didn't even have to leave the house to catch stuff anymore 
It's like my husband would go out to work and come home and I would catch stuff from him that he never got sick from. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, it was a just completely shutting down. Sounds yes. Like. Yeah. It was a terrible situation and I wasn't finding the answers that I needed. I, I'd, I'd figured out that the cholesterol had more to do with like a food allergy response of food sensitivity. I, technically I have IgG food allergies, which they term it an intolerance. And, but that leaves you in this like constant state of inflammation, which is really bad for your body in a lot of ways. And I found out through trial and error and eliminating things that gluten, very bad for me, dairy, very bad for me, corn, very bad for me, soy, equally bad for me, you know, and I'm, I'm figuring out nightshade vegetables. Now you're really in trouble because your potatoes and your eggplant and your chili peppers are all going away. It's like, okay, well, what am I eating? Right? Yeah, that would seem very frustrating. <laughs> and it was hugely frustrating. And I'm continuing to kind of work with that. And my cholesterol is starting to come back where it needs to be. But it's not coming all the way back where it needs to be. And I'm still getting the brain stuff is still getting worse. And into this environment arrives an, an additional setback because every few years, my husband's been losing his work. His industry has changed dramatically over the past couple of decades. And it's getting harder for him to find work. It's longer between jobs. And I'm less able to like keep the ship going in between because I'm getting sicker and sicker and it's getting harder to stay employed. Employers get annoyed when you're sick many times a year and so that was becoming increasingly difficult so we're kind of slowly going backwards financially with each one of these things and we finally had arrived at this point where i was at the point i really couldn't hold down a job anymore i was like half an inch from getting fired for too many too many sicknesses and he got an opportunity in Arizona, which was across the country, but it was supposed to be a three to five year gig. The salary was good. The cost of living was right. So, okay, fine. We're going for it. And we used every last bit of, of money that we had laying around to purchase a house and to move out there. And 12 months later, it comes to light that they lied to my husband about the amount of funding that they had. Yeah. And 12 months later, it's like, we're out of money. We're sorry. Bye. And so we haven't recovered from the moving costs at this point to put anything back in savings. And suddenly he's without a job and I can't work. Wow. And so this is like the beginning of what I call a pinch process because sometimes we're funneled into these places in our lives where we don't want to go but it's where we need to be i make i make an analogy to handling cows because my mom's side of the family were dairy farmers <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for all you city folk out there uh, cows are not tame creatures they're not going to stand there and let you do whatever the heck you want with them even dairy cows which are trained for more handling 
tend to remain pretty wild and uncontrollable. So if you need to trim their hooves, if you need to give them a shot or a flea bath or, or whatever, they're not volunteering for that. <laughs> and so how you handle that is you herd them into out of the field into a smaller pasture. And then you herd them from that pasture into a smaller pen. And then from that pen, you herd them down a chute that runs them into this um, headlock device that has, you've got bars on each side and then the bars go around the head and they have to stand there and take whatever you're going to do to them, the shot or the hoof trim or what it is. And your soul will do that to you, especially if you're doubly stubborn and stoic. <laughs> headstrong it will put you through that process when it's time for you to pay attention to something and in my case you know the health got a little of my attention but not enough of my attention i did start to what i want to say get exposure to things like muscle testing which has kind of got this foot in both worlds right because it is replicatable and although i can't tell you the mechanism officially that makes it work it is replicatable and it does work from person to person it does get you to truth <laughs> and uh so I, I ran into some concepts like that but i didn't really take the bait it's like yeah okay that's nice but i don't see myself using it yeah. <laughs> and so the health wasn't enough so now the money is starting to go away yeah. and then we're in this situation where it's like you only have one choice and it's it was a weird situation because it felt like running at walls if you've read or seen the the harry potter's series right you've got this train station where you just run at the wall and then boom there you are on the other side and it was a lot of circumstances like that because we arrived in these places where it's like well this shouldn't be possible but we're going for it and so we ended up declaring bankruptcy shortly after my husband lost his employment. And at the same time, he had come to the conclusion he needed to go back for another advanced degree to go with his existing degree if he was going to remain consistently employed in this business that he's been in for two decades at this point. And so we had him sit with that for a while. Is it going to be an MD? Is it a Juris doctor? Is it an MBA? What's the thing? And he ultimately decided on an MBA. And it's like, okay, so we need to go do that. So we researched a program for that. At the same time, we're researching bankruptcy lawyers. <laughs> Talk about mutually exclusive, right? Because if you're in bankruptcy, you can't take out a loan. Right. <laughs> if you need bankruptcy, they're not going to give you a loan. <laughs> Um, but we found a program and we found a, a bankruptcy attorney within the same week. And so I sat down with the bankruptcy attorney and said, here's the situation. <laughs> you know, he's giving me all this advice on, you know, how to handle things and what we need to do. And I said, he needs to go back to get another degree. And he sat and looked at our situation and he's like, I think it can be done. And so he gave me the instructions for how we can make that happen, at least to start it, right? Because it, allow, it allowed us to reach into our retirement money without exposing it to the bankruptcy trustee. Mm -hmm. 
which is a trick in and of itself. And so it's like, yes, I got probably the only lawyer in Arizona who could figure that out. <laughs> and, uh, but there wasn't enough in there to pay for the entire program. It was enough to pay for maybe half of it. Best case. That's assuming we find some other way to pay for books, but fine. Okay. We're going to go, we're going to run at that wall and we're going to start. And so we got him enrolled in that. And at the same time in the bankruptcy, uh, the bankruptcy attorney was like, you guys need to bring some money into the house, okay? Because going chapter seven is not gonna work for you. We need you to go through the payer version of the bankruptcy to get you the best outcome. It's like, okay, I can't work. He's looking as hard as he can. <laughs> and so we're, we're kind of like, I don't know where the money is gonna come for this, but that's the plan and we'll figure it out. And so I shared with my husband what was going on. And we had a, a conversation about how do we wanna deal with this in life, in our community? And we decided that it was not going to be a secret. We were gonna just let it all hang out with you know whoever needed to know or would be beneficial to know that we were in these streets. Mm -hmm. And so, as we're going through this conversation, my husband gets this opportunity to attend a professional conference. And it's for one of his buddies who had, he's got like a vendor stand, he needs someone to help man it. And so he paid for my husband's travel out there and it got him a lot of good networking opportunities in his industry. So yes, let's go do that, right? <laughs> and so we would not have normally sent him in our current circumstances but this guy said he would pay for it all and so great and my husband came back from that and he'd met a guy he'd worked with previously who was got his own scientific staffing mm -hmm. thing and he's like i'd like to move into the consulting area of that but i've i've never had the right person to partner with to do that I want to do this with you and I can pay you $50,000 a year, <laughs> which is like a third of what my husband normally made, but perfect for the current circumstances. Sure. And so the only catch with that was it was back in Indiana. <laughs> this is not a commutable distance. No, not, not so close. And so we have to figure out how we can send him there but leave me in Arizona on zero money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's impossible, okay. Yeah, exactly, another one of these walls, <laughs> but okay, I'm gonna run at this sucker. And my last job when I was in Indiana was technically in outside sales. So I know a bunch of people in Indiana. And so if I had your email, you got a little email from me that went something like, here's the deal. We're in bankruptcy. I'm sick as a dog. My husband's going back to school and starting this work thing. We need a place he can hang his hat, plug in his computer, a shelf in the refrigerator, and a place to park the car. So if you have a spare guest room, let me know what you want, and we'll pay you whatever you need for him to have this privilege. He's quiet, he's tidy, he doesn't smoke, and he's allergic to cats. <laughs> and 
I got a lot of no's and we're really sorry to hear that. So that kind of thing back, but we got the most expected, unexpected thing from a former neighbor whose mother had passed away. She had this condo that she couldn't get rid of because the housing market was terrible. It was upside down and she can't rent it out because it's in a retirement community and they don't allow that. And so she's having to, you know, drive over to that part of town and keep an eye on it and check things periodically. And, and she's juggling way too many balls. She's got children with special needs. She's got a sister-in-law with special needs. She's got other aging parents. And it was just more than she could deal with, but she couldn't get rid of it. So she said, you know, I can't charge you rent. So just have him you know live there keep an eye on the place keep it up take care of any maintenance stuff and you know pay for whatever utilities he uses i'm like that is exactly my price point yes free is good yes free is good and privacy is amazing because my husband would not have been very happy living in someone else's household i mean he'd have done it but you know yeah and so another another wall we've passed through and we finally get all of the bankruptcy stuff finalized which allowed me to go out and stay with him in indiana which was important because although we have health insurance now through this arrangement it only covers doctors in indiana so it does me no good if i stay in arizona yeah and so I finally made it out to be with him and I started looking for a medical zebra <laughs> because I'd come to this conviction that I needed a functional medicine doctor as opposed to, you know, your standard specialists out there in the medical world because they all live in their silos and i was becoming increasingly convinced that it was a larger pattern thing happening with me and so going to people who live in silos is not going to be helpful yeah and so i i googled like functional medicine doctors in indiana and i had the list of like approved in network guys on the other screen and i found my zebra there was an actual functional medicine guy that was on the list which is unheard of they they yeah. tend to not want to fool with insurance right. <laughs> and so okay great i went to him and he started checking off all the boxes we checked for metalloproteins we checked my my methylation status so i had my dna run and there was a bunch of stuff that he checked off looking for these more global kind of problems and we found a few things okay i do have some methylation defects we got me started on some rna drops to kind of replace the faulty instructions which was fabulous it got me off antidepressants for the first time in decades <laughs> so there were some blessings that came out of that and ultimately we discovered that i have lyme disease and i cannot pinpoint exactly when that happened but going back through like my symptoms and what's been going on over the course of my lifetime we think i probably caught it around like nine or ten years of age oh wow and it so, took that long for you to see the effects wow 
Well, the effects were visible, but the thing to understand about Lyme is it was only in the late 80s, early 90s that doctors started sitting up and going, there's something happening here. And the reason it's called Lyme disease is it's named after the community where the doctor went, there is something going on here that I have to get to the bottom of. Okay. And so it, they didn't even know what it was when I caught it. Okay. I was in my twenties when I ran across an article about this new disease that they discovered in Lyme. And I'm reading the article and going, God, that sounds like what's going on with me. That, that's exactly what's happening. You know, sometimes you'll read these things and it's like, well, I've got a few of those things, but not all of it. So it's probably not that. This was like everything on the list. And I got down to the end of the article and there's this last paragraph that says, but don't worry, it's only carried by these little ticks that are indigenous to the Northeast of the United States. And so you probably don't have it unless you live in that area. Well, since then, <laughs> they've discovered that any tick can carry it. And that it's actually a global thing. Yeah. Lyme turns up a lot of different places in the world. But I didn't learn that until many decades later after I'd completed that article and went, well, shoot, it's a cry and shame. That's it. I thought I had my answer, right? <laughs> and so I met this doctor and he tests me for Lyme. And he did like three different tests for Lyme because the one that's FDA approved has a problem with it. And I like to mention this problem because you tend to think if you take a test and it's positive, that's the thing. And if you take a test and it's negative, that's the thing, right? Yeah. And the challenge with Lyme is there are two aspects to testing. There's a sensitivity and a specificity. Okay. And so specificity is, does it recognize Lyme as Lyme and nothing else as Lyme? Okay, which the Lyme test does that. If it says you have Lyme, you've got Lyme. It it's doesn't falsely positive on anything else. So that's a beautiful thing. The problem with Lyme is the sensitivity. Okay, and so that's how much of it needs to be present and circulating for the test to pick it up. And it's not very sensitive. You have to have a lot floating around in your system in the right life time stage. It's sort of akin to fleas. You've got eggs and then you've got larvae and then you've got adults. And so if a lot of it is in that, that egg stage, you don't put a lot of positive out. And so it's possible for you to take the Lyme test and get a negative result, but you still have Lyme. Yeah. which is why he does these other two tests as well that are not quote unquote approved by the FDA. Uh, because there are so many people who get a negative on their Lyme test and go, well, that wasn't it. Well, that's not a conclusion you can draw, unfortunately, from the Lyme test. If it's positive, yes, you definitely have it. If it's negative, it doesn't mean wow. you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even a lot of doctors don't realize that which is really sad. And that's part of the reason that Lyme is so underdiagnosed. Yeah. Not only does it look like a lot of different things, but the test, if it comes back and says negative, it's not really necessarily true. So 
after that little divergent trip, <laughs> um, I was actually quite happy. I mean, frustrated, but happy that I had a diagnosis and he's got a plan. He's got like this two-year plan that he does to get rid of the Lyme because the challenge is the three different life stages. Mm -hmm. Antibiotics will touch the later two, but it won't touch the egg form. And so there you are, you know, you, you have to, you have to take antibiotics for a while and you have to rotate them because it gets used to the antibiotics. And so it becomes a project. And then there were clearing IVs that he put in there because Lyme is toxic and it's worse when it's dead. And so you, you need to get the toxins out. And a lot of times your system's not clearing them very well because that's one of the things that Lyme dials down right. so that it can remain in your system. So he's got this two-year plan and all of this exotic stuff in it. And I sat down with his rack rate and I like put my calculator on it a few times because the brain's not working very well right now. And it came up to about $24,000 worth of treatment over the first year. Oh, wow. And did I mention we're in bankruptcy? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I'm looking at this thing going, I, I need some help with this. And so, of course, let's find out what the insurance company will do. Called them up. And the lady on the phone, these are her words. We don't believe in chronic Lyme. Oh, like, isn't that convenient? <laughs> isn't that convenient? Yeah. And so I'm like, well, what do you do for Lyme, chronic or otherwise? And she's like, we'll cover two rounds of oral antibiotics and the associated doctor visits. And that's it, full stop. Okay. I'm like, well, at least they're paying for the doctor visits, right? And as we're getting off the phone, she says, oh, oh, and you need to know your doctor is no longer in network. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's all it needed, right? <laughs> just, just to put the cherry on top of it. Uh, wow. Oh. And so that afternoon, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And I could only think of one other course. And that was to call my dad, because if there's ever a moment to help your kids out, I think this might be the one. Yeah. It's like this, this disease that I've had for decades, we finally have a name and, you know, there's a chance of solving this. And at this point, you need to be aware that I'm, I'm worse than normal because we've already started some antibiotics. And so the toxins are going up in my system and I've gotten to the point, I can't cook a 30 minute meal in three hours. I get in the kitchen and I can't remember what I'm doing. And then I have to start over, remind myself where I'm at and where I'm going. And it, it's just unmanageable, period. And I'm sure that had to be super frustrating for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. From the woman who completely went through her higher education on fellowships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not even academics. They had no fellowships. They paid for all the shit. It was a full ride, basically. And now I can't make a 30-minute meal. It's, it's extremely frustrating and extremely lowering. 
and it gives you a whole new appreciation for having all of your mental faculties. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. So I called dad and said, you know, here's, here's the deal. We know what it is. It has a name. The insurance company is not doing squat. Um, and I'm going to need help to do this because I don't have any other way to get this money. I can't work. My husband's working himself to death between trying to start this um, consulting arm with this guy and full-time MBA because he wasn't going to play around. He wanted it done yesterday. And then he's picking up the slack for me at home because I can't, I can't get it done. So there's no way he's getting another job. And I talked to dad, laid it all out, and the bank of dad was empty. And I just don't know where I'm going from here. We went to bed that night. I'm laying next to my husband. I don't sleep anymore because the brain has deteriorated to such a point that it's not going through those normal sleep cycles that you're used to. This isn't like, oh, well, if I fall asleep, I'll be fine. No, I never go into any of that deep sleep stuff. And so that's super exhausting. But I've learned that at least if I lay in the bed and I, I try my best to meditate, it's halfway refreshing. But that night there was no meditating. It, my brain was like this trapped squirrel. It's like, well, maybe I could get a job. No, maybe we can get a loan. We're in bankruptcy. Maybe, you know, and I'm trying all these things that there's just no exit. All of the routes have been blocked off. And so I'm going around and around and around and around and around. And about 3 a.m., I finally mentally threw up my hands and surrendered and went, I just, I just don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't know how this happens. It's the answer is right there. And I can reach through the bars of my cage and I can stretch and extend my, my shoulder as far as I want. I can't reach the solution. And I thought to myself, well, what's left? Well, I suppose there's God, right? <laughs> I was trained as a child, you know, he'll answer prayers, blah, 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 blah. I do think he exists, but I is what the heck is worth a shot, right? <laughs> and with every fiber of my being, I said a very simple little prayer. It was God, I will do anything to get better and i got an immediate response in the form of a little tiny voice in the back of my mind that said really anything and that's a big word and so i thought about that for a while it's like okay anything what all is included in anything what would be unacceptable to me under anything and i decided that I was not going to cheat anyone. I was not going to lie or steal or become an ex murderer, that kind of thing. Okay. I, I do have my standards and my ethics and I'm not going there. And then I thought about who I was talking to and came to the conclusion that the God I know and understand as distinct from like Old Testament Yahweh, who did ask for some of this shit, would not ask me to lie or steal or axe murder people, right. okay? 
uh, because the God I believe in is a God of love, uh, mercy, and compassion, and is sensible, <laughs> like some of the shit you see in the Old Testament. Um, so I said, God, to make it really clear who I'm talking to, for you, I will do anything. And I got my first miracle because I actually slept that night. I hadn't in weeks. And so it's that huge when you haven't had sleep in, you know? Yes. And I woke in the morning with a clarity that I had to go to the doctor's office and get one of these clearing IVs at $250 that I had no idea where we were going to get the money for. And I was there, I'm in the infusion room that afternoon and the doctor walks in the infusion room, which he does not go there. This is not a place you find the doctor normally. So I waved him over and said, dude, here's, here's the deal. You know, insurance is not going to do anything. They're telling me they're not even going to cover your visits because you're out of network now. We're in bankruptcy and I'm cash pay. So what can you do for a cash pay client? And he said, well, great. I'm like, what do you mean great? <laughs> He's like, well, if insurance is out of the picture, we have other options for you. And in fact, we have this naturopath herbalist who's on staff who has an amazing track record with uh, parasitic infections. And Lyme is a parasitic infection. His office visits are half of mine. And the herbs that he uses are $35, $40 a bottle. And so you probably will be able to find that a little bit more easily. I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I set up to go visit this other doctor at the practice. And the day that I came for that appointment, they were pretty speedy. It was just like a couple of days later. He was running behind for some reason and they'd let me know. So I knew I had some time in the waiting room. And I'm looking around to see what my options are. I didn't bring anything to read with me. And there was a book sitting there on top of this pile of magazines. I'm like, oh, well, that that's more my speed. Let's see what the book is. And on the cover, it says emotion code. Now, I mentioned I was raised by a Norwegian and a German. And so if you know anything about those two cultures, emotions are push it down, pretend you don't have any. It's okay for men to be angry and it's okay for women to be quiet and pleasant all the time. This is kind of what you're taught. <laughs> and just pretend it didn't happen, press on regardless, which is not functional. I've done talk therapy over the years, trying to you know undo that, but I've never really figured out how to take the heat out of emotions and how to to get them to kind of disperse. So this book is like really interesting to me. If this guy's got the code, I want it. And so I'm, I'm starting to leaf through it and read little bits here and there. And then the owner of the book came back for it. Oh, now I gotta go find a way to buy the book. <laughs> uh, but the beautiful thing is we're in the US. So library card will get you practically anything that's out there. Yeah. yeah. And so I take my library card and I drop on down there and it's like, get me the book, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going through this book 
and it, the process is working. It's based on this muscle testing stuff that I'd heard about earlier that I don't know how it works, but I know it works. So, okay, that's acceptable to me. I know that I've got old emotions hanging around. He calls them trapped emotions. Fine. I'll, I'll use that term that works in my experience. And so I'm going through his process and it seems to be working quite nicely. And he's got this section on heart walls, which I know for a fact I have. I don't even have to muscle test that to tell you I got one of those. And as it turns out, when I did go muscle tested, I had three of those. And so I'm in the process of taking these down as fast as humanly possible. And while I'm doing this, strange shit starts happening in my life. I, I don't know what any of it is. And the scientist in me is trying very hard to explain these things away. And the kinds of things that are happening are like I'm in Walmart. I'm a people watcher. And so every now and again, I'll see somebody do something weird and think to myself, well, I wonder what led them to the point that that's the choice they made, right? <laughs> because the people are not irrational. There's a good reason they chose to do that. I just have no clue. And I was starting to get the answer to that question. I was seeing like the series of events that led to them to the point that that was the choice. I'm like, wow, okay, TMI. <laughs> I know I asked the question, but I kind of really didn't expect the answer. Right. <laughs> and I was seeing things from the past that I had no way to know what they were. Some of these emotions that you clear, uh, you ask whether there are things you need to know about the ancestral stuff before you let it go. And one example of this was I had something that was ancestral on my mother's side from 40 generations back. I couldn't answer anything about four generations back on her side because they did not talk about anything that went on in the past. Okay, we learned stuff after my grandmother passed away, like my, my aunt, who I thought was her oldest child was not actually her oldest child. And in fact, her first child was smothered by the doctor at birth because she was an unwed mother. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there's some shit yeah. buried back in that family oh, history. Wow. <laughs> and, and so this thing comes up, it's like, you need to understand more about this, what this is before you release it. And I'm like, well, how the hell is that supposed to happen? And all of a sudden, I got this shooting pain up of my foot and I saw this image of someone stepping on a baby. I'm like, why on earth would you step on a baby? And babies aren't sharp, right? So the scientist in me is going, oh i got trouble with this right <laughs> and so i i literally muscle tested like the phylogenetic family it's like okay somebody stepped on something was it animate or inanimate right and you get animate it's like okay is it an animal uh, yes technically it's an animal and i'm going down you know all this stuff was it a monkey was it a dog right <laughs> it's like then the only thing that muscles tested positive was that someone had stepped on a human baby and it took me a minute to get there because i tested every freaking ex aspect of that because i'm anal and scientific yeah and i'm trying to get the scientists to hush and after i got to the point that that was what arrived i got 
I said, okay, well, is this enough information? And I got, no, it's like, okay, what else do I need to know? And then I saw fully formed in my mind, this little scene around a campfire. There are a bunch of people hanging out, I don't know, after dinner or whatever. And there's this lady who's holding a baby, the newborn, you know, not very old at all. And she's got this necklace that she's wearing. That's apparently a really important possession to her. And somebody comes dashing from the other side of the campfire, grabs that necklace and rips it off of her. And she scrambles to try and snatch the necklace back. And in the process, drops and steps on the baby. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, well, damn. Okay. And, you know, at this point, it's like, yes, you can clear this. And so I, I cleared this emotion, this ancestral emotion out. And, you know, later on, the scientist is going, you have no way to know that's what really happened. You've got this, this crazy, creative imagination, you know, maybe you've got more brain damage than you realize, right? (laughs) So this is happening. And then I'm starting to have these experiences, like walking into Walmart, it's like walking into this rock concert that's at full volume, there's like this energy wall that just like physically hits me when I'm walking through the door. I'm like, I I don't know what this is, but this is like hugely unpleasant. Yeah. And so I don't have any real explanation for that, but it's becoming clear to me that that I don't want to go places like that right now. (laughs) And then uh, I was starting to see crossed over people and angels and now i'm telling myself i've sustained a lot more brain damage than i realized right that's the only explanation that i can give the only explanation that makes any sense to me and i'm going through all of this while i'm still going through this process with the naturopath herbalist and so there's still a lot of toxins it's not as intense as the antibiotics were initially but it's still a pretty intense detox I'm going through. So I'm kind of using that as my excuse as well. And then one afternoon, finally, I arrived home from the grocery store, not my favorite place to be, uh, but it's gotta happen. And I'm pulling in and I see my neighbor helping her husband into the house. Now, retirement community, they're in their middle eighties. They're both, kind of frail and and fragile and she's staggering under his weight and it's clear that he's in a whole lot of pain so to heck with the groceries and i go over and help her get him in the house she's telling me oh well you know i've got to go get an appointment with kidney doctor it's worse than it's ever been i'm really worried for him and so she goes off to make the phone call and i'm left with him in the living room (laughs) and there's nothing you can do to make somebody comfortable Right. Um, and the other thing that you need to know is I've had this terrible backache for like a week and it's really painful right at the base of my ribs, uh, right next to the spine. And I, I am not even ready to deal with any of that. Right. (laughs) But I know it's probably going to need some medical attention. At least that's the conclusion I've come to. So I'm standing with him and he's telling me his back hurts so bad and there aren't any good positions. And so we finally just decide we're gonna stand quietly in the living room and I'm holding his hands, just kind of keeping him company. 
and I can see his eyes are closed, his lips are moving. I figure he's praying because I know them both to be very devout Catholics. And he served as a minister, a priest, I guess, for many years and then separated and became a minister. And she taught parochial school for many years until she decided to marry the ex-priest, <laughs> Catholics and their rules. So um, I know that they're very active in their spiritual life. And I'm basically voyeuristically watching him in this private moment with his God. And I just said my first prayer in decades two weeks ago. <laughs> I haven't been back since. Yeah. So fine, I'm going to just close my eyes and give him his privacy. And when I close my eyes, there is this little flame that appears in my mind's eye. And it looks like a pilot light that's on the edge of going out, how it kind of flickers and dances right before it goes. And I've given this understanding that that's exactly where he is right now. He's on the edge of going and just leaving. Wow. And I haven't acknowledged who I'm talking to or where the information might be coming from. But I asked in my mind, is there something we can do about this? And the instant I asked that question, the flame roared into this bonfire and he drops my hands. And so my eyes whip open. That's <laughs> why so why is he dropping my hands? And he says, are you a healer? And I'm looking around to see who the heck he's talking to. Yeah. Because this has not entered any realm of possibility that this could be something that's going on. And I was saved from having to answer him. <laughs> going, oh. <laughs> because his wife came back and said, we've got an emergency appointment, but we've got to leave right now if we're going to make it. So we hustle them all back out to the car. And then I went and hid in my house for two days until I guilted myself out. <laughs> You're a terrible neighbor. You haven't even checked on them, let alone brought them, you know, chicken soup or whatever, you know, you would bring with you. Yeah. So I finally got up the courage to go next door. And this is after I've convinced myself that nothing has happened. He's probably in the ICU or she's planning a funeral, right? This is where I'm at. And I tapped on the door and she answers the door, sees me and smiles, just big, huge smile. It's like, okay, that's not just the social good to see you smile. So it, things must be better than I, than I thought. And she's like, come on in. Jay has so many questions for you. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and I walk in the living room. And he's kicked back in his Barca lounger. He's got his drink at his elbow and his remote and a book. And he's looking fat and happy. I'm like, how you doing, Jay? He says, great. You know, it was the strangest thing. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? By the time I got to the doctor's office, I was feeling pretty good. I'm like, well, that's good. And the doctor ran me through all the battery of tests that, that we do all the time to keep track of my kidney function. And I had normal kidney function. Now, if you know anything about the wisdom in conventional medicine, that shit's not possible. Yeah. Because kidneys only go one direction and that's downhill. And this guy had stage four kidney disease and a 
a chart that's several inches thick that says that his kidneys are are done over with kaput and now he has normal kidney function wow and that was the moment the scientist had to sit down and shut the fuck up yeah and consider that this weird stuff that was happening over the last couple of weeks is probably that anything that i agreed to yeah yeah and so from that point i started okay let i've got to go into this world all the way and let's learn some stuff and so i burned up that that library card <laughs> used it so much but that's how the scientist had to learn to stand to the side and accept that there are miracles that happen there are things that cannot be explained with two plus two equals four. And this is part of what I'm here to do. And life got a lot better from there. You know, the, the naturopath healed me from the Lyme disease. We started dealing with some of the fallout from the Lyme disease because it, it does nasty things to your organs and your systems that have to be repaired. So even after it's gone, you still have a bit of a road ahead of you. But that's uh, that's how I ended up in this woo world, uh, doing all kinds of interesting things with soul contracts and <laughs> other healing processes. That's fascinating. And so how so how are you working with people? I mean, that's an amazing story. But how now today are you using all of these gifts? Because it sounds like you went through what I call like the dark night of the soul. And oh, you had this mm -hmm. spiritual awakening and you awaken to these gifts, which I know a lot of people out there are probably going, yeah, the same kinds of things happened to me because I know other people who also had Lyme disease, who also healed from that, but their healing process led them to healing abilities that they had themselves. Yes. It's so fascinating that so many people have similar stories, but how are you using these gifts now today? I know you have a podcast. I do have a podcast yeah. where we have these wonderful spiritual based conversations around how people awaken, what are their paths to awakening? Because I, one of the things I experienced was my awakening was a very lonely process in a lot of ways. Um, I was a scientist married to a scientist. So I had a lot of hesitation sharing with him that, um, yeah, I got gifts. <laughs> and, you know, there's this concern that I might end up in a, a white coat with wraparound sleeves. <laughs> yeah, and, hard for other people to understand if they haven't. Yeah, and so it was... It was months before I was able to share. It was like almost six months before I was able to share it with my husband. Um, and then coming out to the wider world, it, it took me over a year to actually talk to someone other than my naturopath son, who was a medical intuitive. <laughs> and so it felt really lonely. And there was a lot of, I, I think I'm broken in some strange way right and you don't feel like yourself and it feels almost like the caterpillar's journey if you think about the caterpillar's journey i'm this little earthworm that's been edging along on my belly thinking you know this and munching down on grass that's that's what it is that's all that's available here 
and then I stuff myself on grass, hang upside down, barf all over myself, <laughs> and melt down into this goo that I don't recognize. <laughs> And while you're going through that process, you really wonder, it's like, is this okay? Is this normal? What What is happening here? And you don't recognize yourself afterwards. You've been put back together in these strange patterns. But, honey, you can fly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started the podcast so that people would realize that it's okay if you feel like you've been barfing all over yourself and you're a puddle of goo right now. Yeah. You're good. You're on track. <laughs> so that's one of the ways my work has come out into the world. Uh, over the years, I've had a number of one-on-one -on -one clients who will show up in my world. Uh, and I have a process that I take them through. It's soul-led, not by my soul, but by the soul of the person who's come to me. And that brings me to another big lesson that I learned, which is as much as I use the language healer, because that's what people can hold on to, the healer actually sits in the client. The correct term for what I do is facilitator and maybe transmuter, because occasionally I do actually actively participate in the change that needs to happen but mostly i hold space and act as a mirror to to show you what's going on it's really hard to fix your hair you can't see what's going on right. <laughs> and so i've learned that the healer sits in the other person and it's important to recognize that when you're going through this process, because healing is empowering the other person to step back into who they are, into what they need to be, allowing them to shed the things that are causing them trouble. So I have this little process we go through and we start with what's your human design and what is your soul contract? What did you come here to learn and what skills did you bring here to learn it with and what are the goals that you've set for yourself, because those are the three primary things that go in there, along with the overarching theme of of your life. Yeah. And so once we have that context, it makes what you've gone through in life make a whole lot more sense, first of all. And if you're feeling like you've kind of lost direction or you're not entirely sure who you are, because right now you're a puddle of goo, <laughs> it can give you insights into the things that will still remain with you when you come out of this goo phase. And so I love to start with that. And then we look at what are the patterns that are showing up in your life right now that are causing you a great deal of distress, where you feel like you've learned the lesson, but they keep coming back around. Because when we set something as a a lesson for a lifetime. We like to explore it pretty deeply and we get really ambitious when we're still in, in spirit form, right? <laughs> we forget how dense it is down here. I want to go learn unconditional love. That'll be great. No, it's going to suck sideways because you're going to love all kinds of people who don't deserve it. <laughs> I always say that. I say it's like when we sign up for those lessons on the other side, it's like when you pick those college courses and you're like, this is going to be so much fun. And then you get in and you're like, why did I sign up for this? Exactly. Exactly. Matrix math 404. <laughs> no. What are you thinking? Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, they constantly question, why do I have to go through this? Why am I, why, yeah. why, why, why is this happening? And we have to remember, like, you picked it. Yeah. And well, it. and you can choose when it's done too. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that's a little trickier because there are two ways you can exit out of your lessons. You can have experienced it in all of its facets and then you're done. Or you can go, you know what? I'm still in the drop ad period. Let's renegotiate my soul contract. Let's do that. Now, <laughs> now you don't get credit, right, for completing the class, but you also, the next time you decide to take it on, have more experience and it's less intense because you've already, you, get, you made it through midterms. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you just have to, to say uncle. It's like, you know what, I was overly ambitious on that one. And so let's look at what really needs to happen and what might be a better, more manageable goal for me to take on than, you know, having to go through this series of players and users or whatever your repeating yeah. pattern is. Yeah. Well, that's comforting to know that yes. you, you can do that. I mean, you can do that. And we follow the signs in your body, which is how your soul speaks to you. So if you've noticed that there are moments in your life where you get this weird feeling in your stomach or this hesitation in your chest or wherever it shows up for you that maybe you ought not to whatever it is go through that door sign that contract go out for another date with this guy <laughs> um, pay attention to that because that's how your soul talks to you on a one-to-one -one basis a lot of the time especially if you are one of these very sensitive empathic people that communication will show up in your in your body and other people are like oh you're being overly sensitive no you're not being overly sensitive they're being insensitive yeah which is part of their experience don't try and fix them from that that's part of their experience uh, but you also have the ability to respect the information that you're getting and to act on that. And it takes a little while to build the trust in it. But if you're like a lot of me or the light workers I know, you've had enough circumstances where you knew you ought not to have done it and you've done it anyway. That's really the first stage of building the trust. It's like, okay, this information was accurate. Now the next stage is I need to act and take evasive measures the next time it shows up for me. Yeah. So it's all part of the process. Don't beat yourself up if you've done that. It's all part of the process. I love that. And so we, we follow the body through the layers of healing and how things need to unfold because a lot of times they're interwoven issues at play and they've got to come out in the right order for you to get to where you want to go and sometimes it it doesn't look like a related issue except that it is i had a client who showed up and uh, she was to put it politely a candidate for bypass surgery gastric bypass surgery that is not heart surgery um but that wasn't why she showed up she came because all of her abundance came through her father and her husband and her business was not working and she needed to understand why. Yeah. 
And so that's the issue we were working on. And we found some key psychological conflicts and some hidden beliefs, and we brought those to the top and we replaced them with other stuff that's more supportive and, and helpful to her because you can't take something away without putting something back in there. So let's put something good. Yeah. <laughs> so we went through this process and I think it was the second session that we'd had. I usually don't do fewer than four because it's like redoing your house. You don't want them to just come in and do demo and go away. Right. <laughs> that would be very bad. We need to put some stuff back. So it was the second session and she texted me because I always ask for status because there are sometimes unintended consequences and weird, uncomfortable stuff that happens that we can just take care of. You don't have to sit with it. And so she sent me her, her status and she's like, yeah, you know, it's, this is good and that's good. And the other thing is good. And I'm wondering, is this normal? I'm not hungry all the time anymore. I'm like, well, you figured out how to feed yourself financially. So I would say, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, you wouldn't recognize her now. You would not recognize her now. She, she figured out how to make money come into her business. She moved out of her father's house. She divorced her husband. <laughs> and she decided, you know what? I am going to go get that gastric bypass surgery. And she looks like a totally different person now. Yeah. That's amazing. But that was the shit that was standing in the way of her getting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And we often do stand in our own way. Well, and I wouldn't even say this was her standing in her own way, but the programming that she brought in and that, that she collected early in our lives because we make meaning in the absence of someone giving us meaning and as children we make a lot of meaning um you know children who go for through divorce for example will take on a lot of the the blame for that themselves even though they're just bystanders but a lot of times the adults in their life don't explain what's going on and even if they do there's still this voice in your mind that takes responsibility for it and this kind of stuff needs to be parsed out when you become an adult. It's like, okay, I created this meaning <laughs> that, you know, the world is unsafe because I was sexually molested as a child. Well, that person was unsafe. It's not the world that's unsafe. And you don't need to wear, you know, 450 pounds to be safe. Yeah. But that's the story we frequently tell ourselves. The only way to be safe is to be unappealing to the rest of the world. And one good way to be unappealing to the rest of the world is to put on a lot of extra weight. And so it's not an uncommon juxtaposition to see those two issues together. Yeah. And until you go back to the unsafeness and reprogram that to, you know, I can... I can trust my judgment about people. I recognize people who are unhealthy. I'm able to, you know, control my world and my life and avoid them and make myself safe that then it's safe for the body to release all the weight. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, I, I do a lot of stuff when I work with my clients, but those are kind of the foundations. And then as a plus, I still have this huge background in mm -hmm. science and, and medical issues. <laughs> I, I was almost uh, a fellowship in a 
a physician program. Okay. But the Lyme kind of killed that. Yeah. So, sure you know, that ha having the foot in both worlds is super helpful. Yeah. I can see how that would be. That's awesome. And so your podcast is called Sovereign Self and it's on Voice America. So if anyone yes. is interested in checking out this weekly podcast, because I know you can listen live or you can also go back and listen to uh, the archives. The yeah. Yes. So if anyone's interested in doing that or maybe they just want to follow you or work with you, what's the best way? Yeah. Well, if you want to hear the show, you can go to sovereignself.live. Okay, and that comes out, as you said, every Monday, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, the archives are always available on demand. If you would like closer contact with Sophia, that would be me. Um, I've got two doorways you can step through. Okay, and the first one is kind of fun. It's called the superpower quiz. What is your number one spiritual superpower? Because we do all have superpowers, but a lot of times we don't recognize it because it's like the air we breathe, the water we swim in, this is just the natural thing that happens for me. And so we don't always recognize that as a talent. And it's helpful to look in a mirror or have someone reflect back to you, what's on your label? And so this quiz will read your label for you. And so you can go to superpowerquiz.us to take that it takes just a couple minutes of your time to get to the result and it will also put you on my mailing list so you can kind of nose around the edges of Zofia's world <laughs> and leave at any time i'm really good about uh, having unsubscribes and that stuff so it's super simple to go so you don't have to worry about getting trapped uh the other thing uh that i offer let me take a quick sip of water <clears throat> I've been prattering on. <laughs> uh, if you would like to have a chat with me, I do a 20 minute valuatory chat with people. Hang on, I'm gonna clear my throat too. It's allergy season. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I do a free 20 minute evaluative chat. We talk about your circumstances, what's bothering you and look at you know, where do you need to go? And I have this personal opinion that you can do about 80% of your work and then the last 20%, you need someone who can hold space, be a mirror or transmute for you. And so we'll go through and I'll make some recommendations. If working with me is the right thing, you know, we'll continue to go down that path. If it's not, then you get some good information to continue your own healing journey with, excuse me, one more time. Okay, so I'm back from that last cough attack. You can get on my calendar for one of those super easy. You go to bookzofiacoffeechat.com and that's B-O-O-K-Z-O-F-I-A coffeechat.com and uh, we'll have a no strings attached conversation. Awesome. Yes. We'll have all of that, any links you give me, we'll put in the show notes too. That way people can go directly there, click on it if they want to listen to sovereign self on voice america or if they want to just take your quiz to find out what their spiritual superpower is they can do all of that there 
I want to thank you so much for being here with us. Today. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. Yes, I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. As always, I really appreciate all of you. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. You can leave me some stars on iTunes. That really helps my podcast make its way to others who might also need it. As always, I am sending you guys so much love and light. I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.